You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Waterloo. To find out more, visit oasiswaterloo.org. So today's Bible reading, hopefully it will appear on the screen behind me, is from John 12, 12 to 19, and I'm reading from the NIV UK version. So it's entitled, Jesus Comes to Jerusalem as King. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Thanks. Thanks very much, Dan. Um, How to change the world is possibly the most daunting sermon topic you could be given, isn't it? Thankfully, um, if you were here last week, Steve uh, opened this series, which is really um, looking at practically how do we uh, get involved in our communities and what is our, as Oasis, theology around our hubs, which is what we talk about when we talk about everything we do as church community, whether on Sunday or throughout the week. Steve opened us last week by saying we change the world often one conversation, one relationship, one action at a time, not all at once. So hopefully that makes this slightly less daunting, both for me and for all of you. Steve also talked last week about how Jesus' command to follow him was a literal one. We often spend a lot of time at this church detangling bits of theology or bits of the Bible that we've misunderstood and wrongly taken, literally. But Steve said, in this case, Jesus's command is a real, literal, practical one. Follow me, take action, get stuck in. And we talk about that in the context of our hubs as being Christ-centered communities. Um, I did say to Dan before we started, Maybe that's a bit of a hard question uh, to lead with because it seems so broad and so vast. So this morning I'm hoping to share with you um, a bit about my experience of being part of this community uh, that's trying to be Christ-centred, a little bit about my journey and then a few things that I think I've learnt about what it can look like to be Christ-centred. I've been part of this community for um, eight years, almost to the day in fact. Um, Some of you might know, but some of you may not. We, uh, as Oasis, used to have a higher education college that ran from what's now the Oasis Academy South Bank sixth form. And I uh, came to study a degree in church community and theology. And the idea behind these degrees were that they were practical, and so uh, I was 
going to be matched with um, a church or a community somewhere to be on a placement. There was this kind of process where you had to submit your profile uh, into the Oasis system and prospective placements submitted theirs as well, kind of like some weird kind of theology school version of Tinder. Um, so somehow through this slightly strange process, uh, I got matched as a potential match with um, Oasis Waterloo. So I came along, I met with Nathan and with Felicity, who many of you know. Thought it seemed like a pretty good place to be. You can come and see if uh, my opinions on them have changed eight years on later, if you like. And it seemed like an exciting place, a place where it wasn't just talk about getting involved, but where things actually happened. And I tell that story because through my uh, journey of coming to be part of this hub, one of the things I was primarily coming to do was to study, to learn, to get my degree. And um, I'm someone, I'm not going to shoot down studying theology because I gained a real richness and depth of understanding of God, of the Bible, um, of what that means. One of my lecturers used to talk about studying theology as like having the rug ripped out from underneath you but underneath you see this beautiful mosaic, this tapestry that was much richer than the rug it was covering. And that was the experience for me. So I learned so much through that process and I really wouldn't uh, shoot that down at all. But I can honestly say I've learned the most about what God looks like and what Christ looks like through the people I've encountered uh, in the journey of being part of this community. On a Sunday morning, at the doors of our food bank, at the front of our community centre, and in the interactions, the day-to-day -day interactions with people. It's through that I've really learnt about what it means to be Christ-centred, from the other people I've had the opportunity to learn from, taking action. Uh, so I want to start this morning by going back to Jesus. Steve spoke a bit about Jesus last week. And we see him throughout his life as someone who's constantly drawing people in. Um, when I was researching for this, I looked and there were about 40 examples of Bible verses in the Gospels where basically it's a one-liner which is like, and this great crowd followed him, pressed into him, wouldn't leave him alone, persistently were drawn to him. Crowds flock to him. Tax collectors climb trees to get a glimpse. Fishermen drop their whole livelihoods to follow him. Sick people are lowered through roofs when they can't get to the crowds, desperate for a glimpse. There's something compelling about Jesus, something that's irresistible. In the passage we see today, the crowds have followed Jesus after he's raised Lazarus from the dead. They won't leave him alone. They follow him. They're drawn in. And we see the Pharisees' exasperation. The final verse of that passage says, Look how the whole world has gone after him. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Jesus compels people to him. Why? Because the good news really is just that. 
It's reordering of corrupt systems. It's meeting of physical needs. It's feeding hungry people. It's making space for children. It's making space for those who've so often been rejected. And when the crowd in that passage cries Hosanna to Jesus, we've talked about this before sometimes on Palm Sunday, they're calling out, save us. Not in just a spiritual sense, but physically, materially, save us from our present reality that is broken and corrupt and frustrating and stuck. Save us. Draw us in. Because Jesus brings good news that doesn't ignore pain or suffering or humanity, but who journeys through it, giving of himself, serving, tending, even dying. That to me is a really exciting message to share. It's an exciting message to try in my very flawed way to live my life around. And it's not a message to share out of fear. I think um, historically growing up, part of my faith was motivated by a fear, an avoidance of hell or a desperation to make sure I was getting into heaven. But as I've journeyed, I think, I've learned that there's a much richer, more exciting reason to follow God than the avoidance of something. And that's, I think, why we as a church live in this way that we call hub, where we're trying to be involved in our communities, where we're trying to make a difference and reach out. Because we're called to action by the God that draws us in and excites us. There's a quite well-known story. I'm going to preface this by saying Steve and I spoke a bit about this story earlier in the week, and he suggested I make a joke about Nathan Welsh sheep farming, but um, I thought I would resist the urge, and uh, he can uh, make that joke if he likes to. There's this quite well-known story about this Australian farmer. He's meeting up with another farmer that's come from somewhere else to have a look at the way that he does his farming. The visiting farmer looks around the farm and is confused and taken aback. He says, how do you keep your flock in when there are no fences to be found anywhere in sight? The other farmer replies, we realised that building fences didn't work. The flock still found a way to get out. Instead, we started building wells, places that would draw people in. Places where our flock would find water, sustenance, safety. Drawing people in and building wells is always going to be more effective than building fences. Inclusion, not exclusion. Building the kingdom of God in the here and now, not the avoidance of the idea of hell. Bringing people in and not pushing them away. Wells and not fences. Have to be careful you don't say walls and not fences because that's essentially the same thing. Wells, wells, not walls. And one of the things I've learned about building wells and not fences is that when I reorient my faith to see being Christ-centered as something that's open, something that's inclusive and something that draws people in, 
it actually creates space for others. It creates room for me to learn from other people's experience, cultures, faiths. Because I'm not scared, I'm not living in fear, but I'm living in openness. I've learned often much more from people of other faiths than I have uh, from much of the church. Quite often when I tell stories on a Sunday morning, I'm talking about my Muslim friends and colleagues because I learn so much from them about hospitality, about community, about what inclusion really looks like. And they've opened up my curiosity to see things from another way. And when we're Christ-centered, we don't have to be scared of the other, but instead allow ourselves to be drawn in to the beauty in other people's stories as well. And I think that process has actually allowed me to be more open about my own faith and what drives me. Because when I'm open to other people, it creates space for me to be more myself as well. Within our uh, team at Oasis, there's a huge range of uh, different team members of all faiths and none. And I think I used to feel quite hesitant about sharing the Christ-centered part of what Oasis was. I, didn't, I was worried about their preconceived ideas about Christianity or if they'd worried that that was gonna make me a really judgmental and horrible person. So I'd kind of talk about our ethos a bit and just kind of leave the Christ bit over here. And in our staff meetings, we often talk about our ethos, and the person who's leading those, uh, quite often Nathan or Danielle, will often tell a parable or a proverb or some other story from the Bible. And again, I used to find these kind of moments a bit awkward. I'd think, oh, is it, are we pushing it onto them? But actually, what I've learned through those moments is that every person in those meetings is always really curious. They want to find out what the story means. They want to hear more because they know it's coming from a place of inclusion and acceptance and not a place of trying to build fences. And so I'm trying to learn to make room for others and also to share more of myself not from a place of trying to win someone over, but just of sharing my true self and the things that drive me. The second thing I wanted to say is that I think when we're trying to live out Christ-centered community, we need to be trying to create spaces of belonging. Um, isolation and loneliness are very painful and real realities for our community and probably for many of us here. I don't know about you, but I can probably think of a time this week where I felt a bit pushed out or dismissed or not fully valued and included. And I think to a lesser or greater extent, that's often the experience of all of us in whatever communities we're part of. The soundtrack in our head of Am I Really Enough is one that plays over and over again. But I think we're called to try and push through the challenges and the difficulties 
to know that we are part of a community that accepts us and that says we are enough. And we need to be trying to live in a way that creates that space for others. To find the places where they can exhale, where they can relax and breathe out, to know that they are enough. Um, when Steve's talking about the living rooms, that's one really practical example of uh, us maybe responding to a need that's in our community, a practical need for warmth or for food, and so much of what we do um, is providing for people's practical needs. But it also is trying to create spaces where people can belong and people can find a sense of community. We often speak to people through the week who say this is the only space they come to where they feel listened or where they know they're going to receive a smile and a friendly face. The only place where they know they'll find a well instead of a fence. And so I think we need to work to create spaces where people can find belonging and that includes ourselves, I think. It can be a slow and tricky journey. I know uh, one of the best things I always say I did when I joined this church community was to join the kids team. Because the, the awkward process of trying to get to know people meant I didn't quite feel I belonged. I didn't quite know where I fit. I didn't quite know who to talk to. I didn't quite know if I could have a conversation with that person over there. So I decided to get stuck in to kind of push myself beyond that narrative of am I enough, do I belong, and to get stuck in. And I think sometimes we can kind of sit around and wait for that sense of belonging and I think in my experience that might never come and those narratives still play out in my head from time to time. But I think I'm trying to learn to kind of push beyond those um, and to find spaces. And the final big thing I want to say about living uh, as part of Christ-centered community, all of us together, is that I think it has to be deeply practical. The good news is good news, as we said earlier, exactly because of that. Jesus draws people in because he's working with them on a very practical level. Jesus is meeting people's practical needs. He's getting stuck in. He's having conversations. He's not preaching over here and not getting stuck in in the communities. And I think we all have a role to play. Some of us might come from quite far in to be part of church on a Sunday morning. So for some of us, that might look like, what does life look like in the communities we live in, which might be this one or it might not be. But I think all of us who are sat here, however much we're able to, can play our part in building Christ-centered community here. Whether it's welcoming others on a Sunday morning, noticing someone who's sitting on their own and going to say hi, running the sound desk, learning to ride our new cargo bike and collecting surplus food to distribute in our community, being part of the living rooms and coming and playing board games for an evening a week. I hope that this 
community inspires you to get involved in the good news of Jesus, who draws people in, who builds wells and not fences. And I don't say that lightly because I don't think it's an easy task. It's one that often quite literally involves blood, sweat and tears. This week I've watched our community and I say our community, I mean all of us here because we're all part of it. We all play our part, however big or small, in building community here. This week... We've cleared up vomit, urine, used tampons and rotten vegetables. We've called mental health crisis lines, ambulances and alcohol support workers. We've navigated power cuts, lost deliveries and stretched resources. We've been a shoulder to cry on, a familiar face to offload to and someone to share a rare laugh with. We've had knitting and clothes swaps and small groups. We've had conversations that have been hard and frustrating emails and misunderstandings. We've had endless cups of tea and coffee and the questionable hygiene of the biscuit jar. All of it driven by our desire to create a Christ-centered community together. Building wells and not fences. Creating room, not closing doors. Welcoming in instead of pushing out. Getting stuck in instead of sitting on the sidelines. And my prayer as I finish this morning for all of us is that we would be caught up in a community that constantly pushes and works to put Christ at the center. In the messiness, in the mundane, in the frustration, in the blood, sweat and tears. Would we all find a way to put Christ at the center of all we do as we draw others in? Amen.